Welcome to the Metal Hammer Podcast, episode 101. Uh, I'm Mo. I'm joined here today by Deputy Editor of Metal Hammer, Miss Eleanor Goodman. How are you doing, Elle? I'm good, Mill. How are you? I'm bloody great. Thank you very much. for. Oh, actually, no, I'm shit. I've been ill, but let's not go into that. <laughs> no one wants to know that. No one wants to know about that. I'm just saying, I've been ill. Everyone should feel sympathetic for me because I've been ill. I don't think I've mentioned it enough. I've been ill. So there. I'm also joined by Alice Patillo, online editor of Metal Hammer. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. Where the hell have you been? It's been a while. Yeah, I've been many places. The people, the people <laughs> of Metal Hammer have been up Christmas. in... <laughs> I know. The people of Metal Hammer have been up in arms, Alice, wondering where you are. Wanting you back on the show. Um, oh. I know you've been on some adventures. We'll talk about that in a bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Before all that, though, uh, the new issue of Metal Hammer is out right this second and it's probably the one of the most fun and ridiculous issues we've ever worked on isn't it i think it's probably safe to say looking at the cover just makes me really happy so happy. it's just an explosive wondrous colorful decade of joy it's awesome why don't you explain what it is i saw <laughs> i surely shall uh it's an 80s special it is the 80s issue in fact so we have taken a deep look inside what is arguably Metal's greatest ever decade, certainly Metal's biggest ever decade, Metal's most influential ever decade. Um, those of us who remember the 90s issue from a couple of years ago, very much in that vein. Uh, so I'm talking about stories from every single year of that decade, uh, the bands, the albums, the stories that defined that decade for Metal. Um, so we've got stuff with, with Iron Maiden looking inside the 40th anniversary of that debut album. Uh, we talked to some OG members of Maiden about that. Um, Black Sabbath, the year it all kind of fell apart for them and Tony Iommi had to go out on his own and, and make what ended up being one of the um, most confusing and perhaps overlooked Black Sabbath albums of his career. And we've got stuff with Metallica, Morbid Angel, Manowar, Holy Moses, Ministry, Discharge. Um, we got a thing on the decline of Western civilization part two, very influential and important documentary that looked at the rise and fall of glam metal and the whole LA Sunset Strip vibe. Um, we've got brand new interviews with people like Doro, Jeff Tate, uh, The Great Cat, remember her? Um, Alex Winter. We've got Bill from Bill and Ted in this issue. Yeah, I was so happy. Unbelievable. So happy when we found out that we had that When you time. told me you'd actually, we were doing that, you were just kind of like, oh, cool, yeah, we've got time with Alex Winter. I was like, oh, cool. Wait, what? Like, <laughs> actually couldn't believe it. So awesome. Uh, so he talks about uh, why the 80s was such a big deal, why people gravitated towards Bill and Ted. Um, tiny bit of stuff about the new film, but not a lot because, you know, Maybe we'll try and get into that another time, eh? Yeah. Now that we've got his number, now we can just give Alex <laughs> Winter a little phone call. Now he's our best friend. <laughs> now he's our best friend. Um, the issue also comes with free eight, a whole free 80s album poster set, in fact, including iconic art from the likes of Motorhead, Motley Crue, Saxon, Venom, Creator. Um, there's also a free Carpenter Brute CD. We got the man himself to put together a cool little compilation, which you can't get anywhere else. It's got exclusive art and everything that he got. He went and got made for us. Um, yeah, I mean, very few people sum up the brilliance and ludicrousness of the 80s like Carpenter Brute. Uh, so, yeah, if whether you were in the 80s or you just like the 80s, um, whatever, I mean, you just need this issue in your life. It's such a good laugh putting it together. And um Particular shout out to um, uh, art editor Louise Brock, who did a real cool job in like making the inside of the mag just look 80s as fuck. <laughs> it looks really great. Uh, so yeah, whether you want to feel nostalgic or you just want to go and celebrate Metal's most colourful and mad decade, 
you definitely need this in your life. So go over to tinyurl.com slash findhammer to find your nearest shop selling it in the UK, or you can order it directly to your door uh, through, twin, um, through tinyurl.com forward slash buy hammer. So yeah, go get it. It's out now. Hooray! Hooray! What's your favourite album from the 80s, guys? If you could only pick one album to keep for the rest of your life. Mm. Just sprung this on you, sorry. So I'm aware. It's I've not forgotten every about. single thing that was released in the 80s. Is it going to be Nine Inch Nails, Al? Oh, yeah. I totally forgot. Um, yeah, Pretty Hate Machine, I guess. That was 80s. That's a fine choice. I like that album. What would you pick, Alice? If you could only have one, you're only allowed to take one album from the 80s forever. Um, I love Pretty Hate Machine. I'm happy with my choice. That is a good choice. I'm not really sure, to be honest. I'd probably take Appetite for Destruction. Mm, good choice. That's a it's good just one. flawless. I mean, maybe a Maiden album because they are the greatest band of all time, but Appetite for Destruction is pretty hard to beat. So, Also, there you go. some amazing people were born in the 80s. True story. <laughs> I'm talking about these three <laughs> legends in this room right here. So, how about that? Um... Wait, were you born in the 80s, Alice? Literally a month into 1990. Oh! oh yeah. Ruined. <laughs> yeah, you just, it's just been your birthday. Happy birthday, mate. Yeah, thanks. Happy birthday. <laughs> birthday cards for Alice to the usual address. Um, I went to see Twin Temple last week. Finally. The satanic duo. Been banging on about them long enough. Uh, yeah, so um, I've actually, I actually did an interview with the band as well, which um, you can listen to at the end of this very podcast. So t- stay tuned. That's coming up. Uh, but yeah, I've been waiting to see these guys for what feels like ages now, but at least kind of a year or so, I'd say. I mean, it's been over a year since we first put them in the magazine, madly. Um, but I was really, really interested to see what it would be like seeing this band. So just in case you haven't heard about them or read about them in the fine pages of Metal Hammer, this is a satanic doo-wop band. And when I say doo-wop, I mean like old school uh, jazzy kind of rock and roll vibe. So I think, you know, basically Amy Winehouse singing about Satan is kind of what these guys do. Um, they're a husband and wife duo, uh, Zachary and Alexandra, um, obviously flanked by a full band, including um, a saxophone player, which is obviously, you know, as many people know that listen to this podcast, anytime there's an excuse for a saxophone, we're normally in on it. So that's all I'm in good. on it. Um, but these these guys are, uh, you know, it's not just a kind of gimmick. They are real practicing Satanists. They do rituals and they dabble in magic and uh, all the rest of it. Um, and But m- more than anything else, beyond all that, the album they put out uh, was really, really fucking good and really, like, fun and vibey and um, kind of conjured a bit of that ghost vibe in terms of, being subversive but also just cheeky and fun and sexy and a bit daft and over the top um so yeah i was really interested to see what it would be like to finally see them in the flesh you were more than really interested it was something that you were talking about for weeks i've been really banging on about it weeks up to the gig Uh, uh, and i want to know if it lived up to your expectations (laughs) well i don't know what my expectations really did you have any um i mean it's the second time they played london so it wasn't quite getting to see it at you know, like ground zero, but it still felt like uh, you're kind of getting a little look in at something that was a bit special and a bit exciting. Um, and I mentioned Ghost already, and actually in my chat with them, which you'll hear later, um, I talked to them about Ghost as well. Uh, um, and it kind the whole the whole vibe around them reminds me of that band because um, they play the Jazz Cafe, first of all, which is really cool and obviously very fits the kind of music they were playing. And even though 
musically they are a band suited to that venue it still felt a bit naughty and fun getting to see like a band from the metal world in a venue like that it felt like a bit of a novelty which was cool um, is that the one where it's like there's a balcony all the way around the top and yeah, then the and stage is kind of sunk into the middle almost? Well, it's yeah. like at the back, but it feels like it's like... Yeah, totally. And it's, and it's all tables and chairs. So you could buy like seated tickets and, it, and you, people were kind of sat in the, on the second tier, like all drinking their cocktails and looking oh, down yeah. and stuff. So I had a really That's fun, very cool. really fun and very yeah. different vibe to what I'm used to seeing. Um, and the atmosphere around the whole place was really electric. You could, you could just sense that people were kind of feeling like they were, they were at the start of something and they were like witness, about to witness something that, you know, had had a lot of hype and a lot of expectation around it. Uh, it was a really, really mixed crowd. Um, like uh, Loads of different types of fans, like loads of rockabilly looking people, loads of metal heads, loads of people that didn't look like they were particularly into metal per se. Um, so that's always a really interesting sign. Um, and they had a massive, massive banner uh, put up at the back of the stage, which had the album art on it, which is a naked woman with a goat's head covered in blood um, because it is metal as fuck. Uh, and yeah, and then they came on and first of all, they did like a little kind of satanic ritual to start the um, the show. Um, so they had those kind of, you know, they have those like swords they bring out sometimes. Like um, a ceremonial sword. Ceremonial swords, yeah. So they did a bit of that and there was some chanting and all the rest of it. Um, Alexandra was reading from what I assumed was the satanic verses um, in her hand. Uh, Wait, that's a novel. So you mean like a satanic Bible? Bible? The Bible, sorry. Yeah, not the verses. Um, yeah, they were reading from the satanic Bible. Um, and uh, yeah, and then um, they kicked into the set and um, the and people just started going absolutely batshit for them straight away. Um, uh, and it was just kind of, I wouldn't say it was like the second they started, it was like, oh my God, this is like life changing, a game changing. Sorry, I'll hate that term. (laughs) (laughs) It's annoying, but sometimes there isn't another phrase that's as good as that one. Yes. And in this particular case, I wouldn't say that um, it was like a set that kind of truly, you know, redefines my expectations of heavy music or anything like that. But it was just a really fun, good show. I'm just stalling for time because I'm just double checking the set list. Could they play and sing, you know? Oh, and is, yeah. And is it just the two of them on stage? Uh, no, no, no. There was a, there's a full band on stage. There's um, Alex and Zach. And then there's uh, like, I think at least there's a drummer who's kind of, out to the right, which I know sounds like a weird thing to say, but it gives it more of a vibe of that kind of jazzy um, instrumentation thing. He's like out to the um, right rather than Instead at the of back. Being center, yeah. um, saxophonist and uh, God, at least one other musician as well, maybe a bassist or something. Um, but yeah, so they came on and they, they played The Devil Didn't Make Me Do It, which is obviously the big hit that kind of broke through with them. And uh, uh, Alex was like holding the mic out to the crowd and everyone was singing along. People were dancing, like people behind me were like literally like waltzing around the crowd. Oh, and, like, really? Boogieing, jazz hands so everywhere kind of well. thing. Yeah, really, really fun. Um, and uh, like th- it was uh, there were, every so often Alex would kind of stop the gig and, and uh, address the crowd. And sometimes it would be to do um, a little bit more of kind of Satanisty stuff. Sometimes it would be to talk about things like equality and inclusivity. Um, in fact, I just remember the first thing they said as they started the gig was fuck Brexit, which is uh, quite a kind of empowering thing for a lot of the crowd because you could see that a lot of the crowd were very with them on that point. 
Um, and this was the day before we officially left the EU. Right. Um, and yeah, so there was a lot of kind of like, fuck yeah, man, kind of reacting they to that. They pitched their response correctly to the yeah, audience. basically. Yeah. And you could see that they weren't quite sure about it because she just went, fuck Brexit. And everyone kind of went, yeah. And uh, she, she, you could see that she kind of went, okay, okay, we're all on the same page then kind of thing. Um, and yeah, that, so that kind of set the tone for a lot of the more... I don't even want to say political, really, because preaching inclusivity, it shouldn't be a political point. But it set a, t a lot of the time for the kind of moralistic stuff she had to say about, you know, this is a place where everyone should feel safe. It's a place where women should feel empowered. It's a place where we should be body positive and sex positive and everything else, um, which is a very, very big part of what they do. Uh, and again, it's something I talked to them about um, in the interview beforehand. Um, so, yeah, there, it, there was like a celebratory air um, it was a real party atmosphere. At one point, they brought they brought out Lee Dorian uh, onto the stage from you know Cathedral Napalm Death Legend, um, and of course uh, Rise Records, um, and they like kind of inducted him into uh, Satanism, really? into the Satanic <laughs> Church. Yeah, and they like they blindfolded him and did like a little ritual on him and got everyone to um, hail Lee Dorian and all this kind <laughs> of stuff. That was really good fun, um, uh, and so yeah, it was just a really really great fun gig and it felt like everyone was there because they wanted to have a good time, but also because they wanted to be a part of something which looks like it could go somewhere. And I don't want to make the ghost point too much because when I brought that up to them, you could tell they were a little bit hesitant to kind of instantly compare themselves to another band. But the last time I went to a relatively intimate gig where I felt this mixture of like excitement and partying and having good times and just... Um, expressing yourself and you know on the edge of something that felt totally totally out of left field but really works and could really be a big thing was ghost and i'm not saying for a second that twin temple could reach those levels but i absolutely do think the potential is there for them to do something really significant um well, so yeah it was a great describing is beyond the music isn't it it's going to something that feels not just that it's music that like you said they've got something to say they've got an image the Satanism thing kind of is a gimmick, you know, I guess even if they are practicing Satanists, they'll be aware that using that is good for their image. Um, and they've got a lot of merchandise, haven't they, that's sort of Satan Yeah, that's the other thing as well. Like so the, the merchandise like was building. great. It's like Ghost, isn't it? It's like building a, a world. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, the merch was great. People, that there were like crazy cues for the merchandise. I had to get someone that got to the gig before me to get my T-shirt because yeah. I was paranoid about missing out. Um, uh, and yeah, it was just such a great fucking vibe. I had such a good time. And some of the songs they've already written, I think that one of the best things about this band is that, in my opinion, their best material is the slightly newer stuff they've put out. Um, Satan's a Woman is such a banger. Like, it is just, I was playing that song over and over and over again after going to the gig. I couldn't get enough of it. Um, and yeah, they finished the show by um, uh, spitting and blood onto the front rows and baptizing people in blood in the crowd. Yeah, and you they tell talked about that in the mag, people, they? Yeah, they have, yeah. People were really keen to kind of like rush to the front and get their heads baptized in blood and stuff. <laughs> so they're already setting up these kind again, kind of, sorry to keep going to the same point, but kind of reminded me with the nuns thing in Ghost yeah, when they were yeah. doing all that stuff, the Sisters of Sin. Um, but it's quite easy to do that stuff and then not have any music to back it up. So yes, absolutely. If they have absolutely. got music, then that's like the whole package, isn't it? Definitely. And mm -hmm. I and I do think they've got the whole package. I thought the debut album was really, really good. It's called um, Twin Temple Presents their 
signature sounds signature sounds brackets satanic do what yeah, I think is the form. yeah I think that's it yeah. I think that album's great mm-hmm. and I think the two newer tracks they've done it even better um, and I think there's something in this band I don't know what it is and I'm not you know we've seen arguably better bands not make it but um, there's something in this band that has got people excited and you could really feel it watching them and while I wouldn't say this gig blew my mind and reshaped my perception of music itself um, in a way that's not a bad thing because as I was watching it I was thinking this is really good and really fun and it could get even better than this and that you can see even just from the show they brought with them this time out there's a potential there to really blow up into something spectacular and I fully back it I'm really excited about them Um, and as I said you can hear my interview with Alexandra and Zachary at the end of this and we talk about uh, where they can go from here and a bit more of their background and why, in my opinion, um, they're not just winning fans in the right places, but also pissing off the right kind of people as well. So Good times. Good times. And all up here for bands that preach inclusivity. That's what it should all be about. Uh, and then after that, on a very different vibe, <laughs> uh, the next night, Ellen and I went to Five Finger Death Punch and Megadeth. We and did. Bad Wolves. I've oh, just blabbed on for ages, so do you want to... There's a demon inside. I've just blabbed on for ages. So do you, what, do you, <laughs> what did you think of the gig? Wembley Arena? Yeah. The, the second or third time, I think, Five Finger have played that venue now. Yeah, I think it was really good. I mean, I guess we'll start from the beginning. Bad Wolves were supporting. Obviously, they're the ones that did the cover of Zombie by the Cranberries. So everyone kind of knows them for the zombie cover. And they did that at the end. And that was the highlight of the set. I think it's like... A double-edged sword almost it's like people really like that song and i've got into them from that but it's also still the thing they like most about them but um they were i think it's one of those things as well we talked about how their sound it's very shiny radio rock style so it probably goes down a bit better in the states on sort of the different radio rock stations there than it does here mm-hmm. but having said that there were a ton of people at the front going mad for it so I think they are like building a following here now as well and especially on a bill like this with Five Finger Death Punch there's um, some crossover there so I think yeah they seem to be doing well and being more and more kind of embraced by people beyond that cover I think they're sort of building an audience now. Definitely and and one thing as well that I remember you really remarked on was when um, Tommy the singer started talking about mental health as well and I remember thinking at the time because with the first thing you said, you turned around and said, so many people are talking about this. Yeah, like every band. Now. And that's something that wasn't getting talked about on stages when I went to gigs. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, and the response from people, you know, obviously musically it's quite simplistic and radio friendly. And like you said, that can definitely strike a chord with people. But I also can definitely see why a lot of people get invested in a band. Because if I was a young music fan or an older music fan and I went to a gig like that and I see someone talking about things that affect me like that then it would definitely make me feel a connection with them that I might not have otherwise and it was a really cool thing to see it was very sincere and I think it's amazing now going to gigs how many people are talking about mental health it's just literally everywhere Um, and it's from bands and two audiences that you would never have expected it from in the past like if you see a band like Bad Wolves and Tommy the singer clearly works out you know He's, yeah. a, he's a bit of a bro. It was a proper welcome to the gun show moment <laughs> he was, when he yeah. took his uh, jacket off. <laughs> and he looks like sort of typical bro type of man. And you're like, 
you know, he's not the kind of person a few years back where he would have said talks about mental health, but he's very candid. He made a suicide attempt and he's struggled in the past, I think, with substances and he's sober now and on a different path and obviously wants to share that with people. So props to him. People responded really well to that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next with them and where they go on to. Mm-hmm. Agreed. What then do you think of Megadeth? We had Megadeth. Um, good. I was really surprised how good it was, you know, given the fact that they might have been a bit rusty because they haven't been playing for a while due to Dave's cancer diagnosis. Um, Dave sounded maybe a little bit quieter than normal, but he was still singing and I think they sounded had quite good. Far down in the mix, didn't they? I think they did, yeah. And they also had the other guys doing um, backing vocals. But he, you know, he was on stage. He was looking happy to be there. And um, the other guys, the band were incredible. Like uh, Kiko and Dirk, obviously Dave Ellison is, you know, a long time member. Kiko and Dirk, I still think of them as the new members, even though it's probably been a couple of years now. But they're, they're amazing. Like the drums just sounded like typical, um, like arena drums, like just really, really powerful. Kiko was like a, you know, classic guitar god, like doing a solo and going on the stage. Um, so it was all really cool. And then obviously there was this bit in yeah. the middle where um, Dave stops and talks to the crowd and talks about his cancer diagnosis and said that he was happy to say he was 100% cancer-free. Yeah. And everybody just went mad. Best moment of the like, game for me. Yeah, that was, it was really cool. It was like he just took that time to talk to everyone. You could tell, obviously, of course, what a big deal it is for that to happen. And um, everyone was really behind him. And I think just really excited to see Megadeth back and firing on all cylinders, really, um, considering what's happened. It was super impressive. Yeah. The band sounded so tight and just yeah. on it. And yeah, it was great. Really, really good and heartwarming. And fuck yes, Dave Mustaine. Glad you're back. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, it's just great to have these brilliant metal bands playing gigs that we could all go and see, you know, and they're just sounding great. So that was a real yeah, triumph, definitely. I think, for them. And then came... Five Finger Death Punch! The only Five Finger Death Punch. <laughs> well, Ivan came on as a clown, which I loved. Mm. Was it a specific clown? I forgot to ask you, because you know more about comic books and stuff than I do. <laughs> yeah, I you comic book movies. You know more specifically uh, about clowns than I do. Because mm, I feel like it's one of these things where I wasn't just, like an it I just go, e- he's a clown, thing. and then everyone is like, you're an idiot. He was clearly dressed as this very specific thing. I'm not sure. I don't know. I was a few beers in by then, so <laughs> I was, that wasn't one of the things I was <laughs> focusing in on, to be honest. And I think there was also a bit of Jekyll and Hyde with his like um, his makeup as well. Some of, just, was some of it UV? I didn't make any notes. I'm pretty sure some, some of, of it was UV. UV yeah. yeah. Sorry, so like when the lights went down, it was really cool, and you could see sort of the UV glow awesome. and stuff. And also, uh, I know they. I think they have brought it over here to the UK before, but it's the first time I've seen Five Finger with the big skull and the back. Oh, I totally forgot about bones that. At the back, that was amazing. Like kind of Eddie style thing lurking over the um, the set, and yeah, like the show was just so cool. Like obviously lots of pyro, but loads of lasers and stuff as well, and stuff you don't see quite so much. Do you know really what? The lasers were brilliant because I started off Lovely watching the show right at the front with you um but it was a bit loud for me down the front like in the arena speaker so i just went down to the floor and seeing it from sort of the back of the room on the floor with all the lasers it looked incredible like they'd really taken a lot of time to make that show sing and to make it an arena show 
But no, I thought it was cool. They came on with Lift Me Up, which is a banger anyway. Absolute banger. And um, Great it's, set list. It's just, I think, the energy they put into it because they're quite cartoonish, aren't they? Five Finger Death Punch sometimes. And with Ivan yep. coming on dressed like a clown and with a giant skull at the back and with two cross baseball bats, it's all a little bit like, it is a little bit like a comic book movie or a cartoon or something that's larger than life. And I think they just do that on the stage. So they're obviously aware it's a big arena show they obviously want to give people a good show and you can see them like especially from where we were at the front at the beginning like really giving it their all mm. like coming out to the crowd playing to the crowd being a rock star for lack of a better word mm. but um and it's really impressive because they um you know they're just doing it and they're into it and they're yeah, doing a, they're doing a show that's what they're doing i saw um i saw five finger in florida um uh two i think it's two years ago this year and um uh, Ivan did not really look like he wanted to be there. And for me, a Five Finger Live show hangs on whether Ivan's into it or not and how Ivan is on stage. And yeah, a couple of years ago, I remember looking, like when you've seen them, I mean, first time I saw Five Finger Death Punch, they headlined uh, Hammerfest, which was at like a Butlins or something. Mm. So a really small crowd. And they, like Ivan was this just like Larry monster caning it around stage going crazy. Yeah. And when you go from that to seeing this kind of slightly downtrodden, like, not really looking like he's wanting to be there, kind of just sloping around the stage, not quite into it. Um, but Wembley, he just looked, like you said, he looked like he was absolutely loving it. He and did. properly giving it some and just like genuinely vibing off the crowd. And it was really good to see. And Zoltan always comes across as this kind of like laid back, confident showrunner type. like kimono kind of thing he wears yeah. on stage now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's sort of just this laid back, um, oh, we've not used this phrase for a while. I think it's got big dick energy. <laughs> That was a very 2018. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I was just trying to think of that kind of cool confidence where he just kind of sits back and like, um, you know, he's the sort of showrunner from the back seat of it, really. Mm. Um, you know, while Ivan runs around like being a clown and like yeah. bringing the personality and gesturing and all that kind of stuff. Um, I thought they were really good. I thought they're pretty faultless, to be honest with you. Just yeah. professional band came on and did a professional show. Yep. We, um, we had a question from someone I can't remember who it was now apologies but um, on the on the reader group saying um, they kind of I think I think they said they hinted that they would like to come back and headline download or something like oh, that oh yeah they did yeah they said we'll see Ivan literally said we'll see you at download next year yeah that's what he said so I think a lot of people have taken that as to their headlining I'm not convinced that that's been booked yet I mean we have no idea do you think that they do you think they could do it I think so because they they're so underestimated five things death punch loads of people don't take him seriously other people don't like them but this is a band that do i mean hundreds and hundreds of millions of streams on spotify they sell a lot of records and they play arenas everywhere around the world now like yeah. they just sold out another wembley like yeah not i know obviously megadeth big part of that for sure but why why not them but that's the thing they could do download with a big band like Megadeth, you know, with like another big metal band underneath them. Mm. That could I, easily, I think. It's just, easily. it's crazy, isn't it? Imagine like 15 because a years, few years ago, ago having exactly, a band that just yeah. comes over and does yeah. Wembley Arena as standard is saying, mm, could they headline download? It's, it's just, it's, it's such a weird time where yeah, people because even like question 15, 20 years ago, if you're a metal band playing an arena, people would be like, oh, yeah, obviously they're going to play download. Yeah. That's literally just what's going to happen. So, yeah, I, I mean, I back it. I think if you'd asked me a couple of years back, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. But actually, when you see what how much they mean to people, I just think, fuck it, why not, man? Why not give them a go? Like, what other band has put in the albums and, and done the business like they have to earn that spot? I think, I think 
Um, also, they not? had like lasers, like I said, which looked fantastic. Lasers. They had the massive skull and bats. They nice Simpsons reference. They had actually that was an Austin Powers reference. Oh yeah, <laughs> I totally forgot lasers. Lasers. Um, Ask your older brother, kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had um, a cuddly toy of the cat. What was it called again? Really, Mister. What's it called? <laughs> no, you could get a cuddly toy. Yeah, the one that's like the wrinkly skin cats. Yeah, the piss taker. Well, uh, yeah, I can't remember what it's I can't called, called what now. It's called, no. Oh yeah. Oh not. Oh, what's it called, Mister? Damn it! I used to love it. Anyway, it's great. Pretend it was a real cat. Anyway, five finger death punch. <laughs> I was about to start singing the Meow Mix song, man. I'm not going to. Um, yeah, even though they had like the lasers and the fire and all that, they didn't rely on those. It wasn't like they had a gimmick and they were like, you know, no. I'm, not, I'm not saying that Ramstein do, but if you think of like all the different set pieces Ramstein have, Five Figure didn't have that, but they still managed to maintain, um, you know, the energy. Yeah, so definitely. I thought that was good as well. They weren't just like relying on those things. So. And yeah, Ivan did his big speech, of course, about uh, sobriety and that being two years. Oh, we did, yeah. Sober, and that obviously resonated with a lot of people as well. He got people to put their hands up who had it was been a... fighting alcoholism and everything else. With that and Bad Wolves, it was sort of like, again, you wouldn't have got that a few years ago. It was a bit like, you know, we've had some problems. We all have problems. Um, that's okay kind of thing. Never would have had that. It would all have been just really masculine. And he actually asked everyone in the crowd to put their hands up if they were sober and like you know if they'd deliberately stop drinking alcohol and if they were counting the, the days kind of thing what's it called when you um have like a certain number of days sober like 30 days sober or 100 yeah, days yeah, sober yeah, like, yeah they give you a lot of coins and recognition yeah well. and he was like um asking people to keep their hands up and then he was kind of going to people oh how many days oh like 30 days for you like an you know this many days for you and um you know, I wonder what that does for him as well, being able to do that, because it's quite a worthwhile thing yeah. to do. I think a lot of these bands that we take for granted, like they've got an earnestness about them which really resonates with people, and I really don't think that should be underrated, uh, underestimated. And I think it's like shitty to sneer at it as well. It's like he could be dead, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. Because some people will. Some people will be like, oh, no, I just want metal. I don't want preaching, and I get that. But And also, all those Five Finger Death Punch fans, and we know they're Five Finger Death Punch fans because they're all going ballistic, have now all seen a Megadeth gig, and now a lot of them might now go and check out Megadeth and be like, holy shit, what's this? Um, I don't want to patronise them. I'm sure loads of them already knew who Megadeth are for a sake, but you know, there was that debate about the fact they were supporting Five Finger yeah. and... You know, they've just Megadeth had just gone and played an absolutely packed out Wembley, who were not just respectful, but also obviously a lot of people were massive fans anyway, and I'm sure a lot of people were, um, you know, now won over to the Megadeth course. So it was a wonderful evening for metal. <laughs> uh, Alice, in the new issue, you've got we've got your massive review of seventy thousand tons of metal. Yeah. I believe, which is must have spent about eighty hours writing because it's absolutely massive. Yeah. Uh, so well, I was very jet lagged. Very jet lagged. <laughs> so, do you want to? Without spoiling your review, I guess, do you want to uh, quickly talk about what it was like going and spending four days on a cruise ship with loads of metal bands and metal heads? <laughs> um, it was great. It's really friendly. Um, yeah, it's a a cruise that goes out from Florida um, and it goes to a different place every year, usually Mexico or Jamaica, um, somewhere in the Caribbean. Um, and yeah, you just, it's like a, a giant, great big plush cruise ship just full of metalheads. Um, and there's like three stages um, on board. Um, 
I think it's only, th no, four stages. There's four stages on board. Um, one's on the pool deck. Um, so that's really cool because you can just be in the sun and like enjoy the pools mm. and hot tubs and stuff like that and have an ice cream and watch a band. Oh, an ice cream. Yeah, free Dream. ice cream, <laughs> unlimited ice cream. Once wow. you're on there, is everything like, do you, is everything free? Like no, oh. food is. Okay, um, that's a good start. Buffet cup? Yeah, so oh, buffet, um, buffet, you can cup. get a buffet. Um, if you want like fancier food, you can pay for it. Um, and alcohol is paid for as well. Um, but yeah, it's free food and like soft drinks and tea mm. and coffee, I think. Well, not soft drinks, like water sort of drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, tea and coffee. What was the weirdest thing you saw? Because I know that those kind of things, you end up walking around drunk and then you see like someone from Testament doing karaoke at 4am or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really cool because you get to sort of just hang out with the bands because they're on board the whole four days. So you're just sort of down the, down the hallway from, it could be anyone really. Like you'll just bump into like um, Jeff from Possessed was hanging about, um, Devin Townsend. Amazing. Um, like loads of different bands. Um, Suffocation as well, just hanging out in the casino. Um, What's that? Playing poker with Suffocation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really cool because everyone's really friendly and it's just a really nice vibe. Do you get much time to kind of... Uh get out and about because I know they make a couple of stops don't they because for they me make cruise ships stop. I'm always worried about getting shut in somewhere I mean it's a huge huge ship and there's loads to do on board there's a gym really? there's yeah there's like um, an escape rooms there's like there's an escape room yeah, that's amazing there's a climbing wall there's oh. was it the climbing wall that's like outside on the top deck of the ship so it feels like you're climbing out into the sea yeah I think yeah it is it is on the top deck. I'm not, I didn't go and see it, so I don't know where it is. I didn't like see the actual thing. My biggest question, what was the weather like and did you get any, because I, I get really seasick. <laughs> so I'm always I also um, get seasick it was as well. fine. And then when we got to Mexico, there was a bit of a storm. Oh my God. Um, and so there was problems on the pool deck stage. Um, and then it was a bit like bumpy the rest of the way, but everyone was drunk, so. Doesn't that make it worse? No. no. When you're drunk on a boat, you don't know if it's you or the boat, and it kind of makes it okay. Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> you know what? I'm not even joking. I actually just felt a bit sick just thinking about that. Oh, my God. No one could tell if it was them or the boat. Oh, dear me. Uh, well, if you want to read Alice's spectacular and absolutely massive 70,000 tons of metal review, it's in the new issue, which is out right now. Just talked about it earlier. It's 80s-tastic. Uh, loads of stuff to talk about that's been going on this week. Uh, James Hetfield's. Uh, made his first public appearance since going to rehab. That's pretty cool. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah, yeah, he saw was that. Looking... It was at his car show, wasn't it? Yeah, in he Los went to, he's got a classic cars exhibition in LA um, and he looks fucking great as well. Genuinely think that he's looking really, really good. So hopefully that's a good sign that he's yeah. well on the mend and back with <laughs> us soon. Um, I know Metallica have those huge US shows planned across uh, this year. So Yeah, double shows. Hopefully old Hep will be on it for that. Um, Judas Priest working on a new album that's exciting yeah and they're working with Glenn Tipton as well which is cool because mm. obviously they said at the beginning he will be you know recording with them and playing the odd show where he can it's just because of his illness he can't be fully on the road with them but that's nice to see yeah totally that's great um, so yeah and you know Firepower was the best thing they've done in about 25 years or something oh, that's so brilliant, very yeah. excited for new Priest 
Um, in I would say very unsurprising news, Kiss are doing a biopic. <laughs> Just feels inevitable at this point. Yeah, I mean, if you're fine. a big band who so was big in the seventies and eighties, you're going to do a biopic. It's a thing now. So there. That's the thing. Yeah, the, the band's manager, Doc McGee, says it's happening. So there you go. Um, what else has been going on? In in massive bands touring without new albums news. <laughs> yeah. So Guns N' Roses have announced a US stadium tour. Yeah. And also System of Down have announced a big show. They're going to be joined by Korn and Faith No More. And they're going to play Los Angeles. Mm, oh, yeah. and also Helmet and Russian, Russian Circles are on the bill too. Yeah, there it's you a go. big bill. It's almost like a mini festival day or something. That is. Yeah. The um, Bank of California Stadium on still May no album, 22nd. Though. Still no album. So. Nope. There we go. Uh, should we do the album of the week? Let's do that. Uh, this is an album that Elle has been bigging up for ages in the office, and I kind of, uh, you know, went into it a bit more this week. Um, it's Loathe. I let it in and it took everything uh, out Friday via Sharp Tone Records. Very exciting young band. They're British, aren't they? From Liverpool. From Liverpool? Yes. Yeah, I won't hold that against them. So, so, Liverpool's nice. <laughs> I'm a United fan. I had to say <sighs> it. Sorry. Oh, they're going to run the, they're going to walk the league this season. It's fine. They They've got that. a sculpture in Liverpool called the Super Lamb Banana, which is a lamb and a banana in one. So well, what other city has go. got one of those? Um, so, yeah, this is their second full-length album or certainly it's second? It's second, yes. It's the follow-up to The Cold Sun. Mm. And um, Yeah. Go on, you go. Well, they started out as a tech metal band and used to wear masks like Slipknot did and had these kind of very theatrical live shows. I didn't actually know that bit about the masks. Well, the singer had a mask. And, um, yeah, it was like, um, I saw them at Radar Festival last year. It's sort of a cross between tech, metal and metallic, hardcore, kind of interesting, aggressive bits, but also atmospherics. And they've turned up the atmospherics on the new record. And they've even had a shout out from Chino for their single two-way mirror, which if you've heard it, is really different to um, the last album, The Cold Sun. It's sort of an entirely atmospheric rock record in the vein of Deftones. I was going to say, they must be happy with a shout-out from Chino because they obviously love Deftones, judging they by this album. They fucking love Deftones. <laughs> and this album has Not just a got bad thing. more and more of that Deftones-y influence in it. Actually, the second track, Aggressive Evolution, I thought that was quite a good name for it because it almost is this evolution of their sound. And although it's called Aggressive Evolution, it's... They've got that aggression in there still, but it's being disrupted by more and more of these softer soundscapes. Um, you know, there's that song, there's bits of rocket skates in there and mm. um, all kinds of stuff. It's just, it's if you like Deftones, you're going to love this. It's yeah. like Deftones, but like a bit more um, technically fucked up and a, a bit kind more of British. Hard, and... Hardcore elements in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, kind of like that. I know gents like a dirty word these days, but that kind it? of genty guitar tone. Well, no one, apparently, I, I can't remember the last time I heard a band proudly calling themselves gent. Well, yeah, they don't really say it. Just you know what I mean when I say People say gent. tech metal more now, just sure. use gent for funny puns. Yeah, yeah. But it, it is, yeah. I mean, they play those kinds of festivals and they play alongside those kinds of bands and they fit really well in that. Mm. But they've sort of spun it off into doing the more atmospheric stuff as well yeah. and the hardcore stuff yeah I mean it's it's a really great album and um, uh, you know it is very very Deftonesy I did think that a lot when so I listened to it, it is, but yeah. that's not a bad thing um, and it, I guess it's kind of taking the Deftones blueprint into much heavier and angular and interesting uh, realms maybe um, you know there's bits of kind of Gajira in there as well I think the song 
Uh, is it Gord? Mm, yeah. Funny enough, is a Deftones title. Um, yeah, I thought that as well. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, sound like that. That had more of a gentle vibe, but with these kind of big guttural hardcore vocals. And this, it's got these kind of Gajira, you know, they're kind of like almost stuttering riffs yeah. that Gajira do. And um, there's a bit of that on there. Um, the song Screaming, I thought was interesting. That was like almost yeah. like a, not grungy, but kind of 90s alt rocky kind of song. I thought that stuck out a little bit. Um, but yeah. We've spoken about Code Orange recently and it's definitely got that sort of slightly pick and mix vibe of like um, things we like about metal and bands sort of glued together in a new way. Mm-hmm. It definitely feels like that's a thing now. I do wonder if everyone losing their tits so much over Code Orange has overshadowed Loathe being such a great band in their own right because I think, uh, and I don't want to just compare them the two directly all the time, but I think if Code Orange hadn't put Forever out when they put Forever out, I think people would be holding Loathe up as like the band to get excited about. Yeah, from I agree. The scene. I, definitely I think f- they still could be. I definitely hope that they get a lot of listens to this record because they really deserve it. And live as well, they try to do an atmospheric live show when I saw them at Radar. That was cool. And they have screens and stuff that they project kind of black and white visuals and stuff onto. And, you know, I think they're trying to create an atmosphere in the same way that bands like Code Orange are even if we don't want to do a direct comparison um, get on board with loads. Yeah, yeah it's a great album out Friday via Sharp Tone as we said um, loads of stuff out this week actually uh, new Delane albums out this week as well Apocalypse and Chill <laughs> one album title <laughs> uh, via Napalm uh, Sepultura's new album Quadra is out via Nuclear Blast that's a kind of conceptually loaded uh, another conceptually loaded album from Brazil's greatest export. And also um, have a look at a future issue of Metal Hammer yes. if you like them. There might be something Absolutely. coming up. Absolutely. We went over to Paris to do something very interesting. Oh, well, I was just them. teasing it. Well, you know, now we're teasing even more. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got a cool thing with Sepultura coming in an upcoming issue. Not this one, a future one. Be patient, right? It's worth it. Um, new Silosis album, their first album for about five years, I think, something like that. A while, uh, Josh yeah. has obviously been an architect's duty for a while. Now he's gone back to his main gig. Well, not his main gig, his, his, the gig that kind of a lot of people knew him for. Um, so, yeah, Cycle of Suffering by Silosis. That's a really, really good album as well. It's actually my album of the month in the magazine. Um, and that's out via Nuclear Blast. Also, a new Spark Crown album, Wolves Among the Ashes, out on Century Media. Uh, if you like your rockier end of the spectrum, those Down Crows have a new album out as well on Earache. Um, and another good young band from Holy Raw, Giver, uh, have Sculpture of Violence out as well. So absolutely shitloads out this week. I'm sure there's more that I missed, but there you go. Um, but if you can listen to one of those, listen to Load. If you can listen to more, listen to everything else we just listed. So should we do some reader questions? Let's do that. Facebook.com slash Metal Hammer Readers, as always. Uh, Ruben Boga asks... Have you listened to Lacquer by Catatonia? And if so, what do you hope for here from their sudden return from hiatus? I didn't know they were on hiatus. Yeah, they're on hiatus. Well, evidently not. Well, they're on hiatus and then they came back and did the 10th anniversary tour um, of Night is the New Day, which I went to, which was great. And I spoke to them around that record for our sister magazine, Prog, and they indicated that they were kind of coming back and doing stuff. So... Now it's happening. I'm really excited to see them return because I have been waiting for this. It's only been a couple of years, but still love Catatonia. But yeah, Lacquer. Um, yeah, I was like really intrigued by this because it's a very soft kind of song. It has the very melancholic, pained, gorgeous, beautiful tones of Catatonia. Like the vocals amazing. It's yeah, I just like that sort of dark, 
gothic feel mm -hmm. the catatonia do really well but it's yeah it's very kind of soft it's not um riffy or heavy it's very gentle and it's got these electronic elements in it and it really reminded me of Ulva and the band Mothlight. I don't know if you remember them. Do I remember? It's a guy Off called, Not Mothlight, I no. think it's Daniel O'Sullivan, who was in Ulva. I'm not sure if he still is or not. And he created this pr project called Mothlight and it kind of had that sort of heavy but electronic feel. And they those two bands immediately came to mind because, yeah, atmospheric, electronic, melancholic and... The best bit is when it first kind of drops into the chorus just after the two minute mark and um, the vocal is scrape the lacquer, can't you see it's all tarnished and then it suddenly kind of drops down into this like electronic broodiness and I was like, oh, that is good. You know, you wait for a couple of minutes and then you get the payoff and mm -hmm. so I think it's a beautiful song and I'd be really happy for them to do more of this. Um, so we'll see where they go. Yeah, interesting. Never, never a bad thing to have Catatonia about. Uh, David Savage asks us, um, what is your four-piece, so it's got to be a singer, guitar, bass, and drummer, uh, what is your four-piece supergroup of metal legends who have passed away? Alice. Yes. What's yours? <laughs> okay. Um, singer, I'd probably uh, go for Lane Staley because he's my favorite. Oh, That's a great shout. I, I didn't him. think of that. I was listening to um, <laughs> Jar of Flies this morning as well. Um, guitar, um, probably Sh Chuck Schuldiner. Nice. Um, Lane's, Lane's vo voice over Chuck's yeah. guitar, that'll be like I think something it to could work. Because um, Lane has quite a sort of range, really. Yeah. He can do like really quite metal vocals, but also really like grungy, like me melodic stuff as well. And I think it'd be interesting. Um, and then I'd have Cliff Burton on bass. Of course. And oh, God, yeah, of course. I picked him too. Of course, Cliff. Spoiler alert. And then, um, see, I had like some other ideas as well. Cliff and Chuck in the same band as well would be mind-blowing. I think it'd be cool. And Lane could do lots of his like more metal, kind mm. of like screechy vocals. Um, and then on drums, um, probably uh, Vader. He's like, he was in Vader. Um, Christoph Rakowski, I think you say his name. Um, he's like a Polish drummer and he basically um, inspired a lot of the black metal bands and like Hellhammer and all the blast beats and stuff. So it could be quite an interesting mix, I, I reckon. To that. That's a great shout. Great mix, <laughs> great mix of lads. L. <laughs> um, I literally did this in two seconds. <clears throat> so these are just like first out the brain ones. Um, Chris Cornell on vocals because he's nice. just got such a gorgeous voice. Steinberg on guitar, because it's legendary. Um, bass, Cliff Burton, like Alice said. And drums, Reed Mullen, because obviously, very sadly, oh, wow. you know, he passed away recently. Nice and mm -hmm. um, Yeah, he'd be super cool. So I just think those four people are pretty legendary. Nice shout. Um, I had uh, Ronnie James Dio on vocals, of course. Uh, Lemmy on bass. Um, Randy Rhodes on guitar. And... Um, I wanted to put the Rev on drums, but I think for this, it's such a kind of driving metal lineup. So I put Vinnie Paul on drums instead um, with an honorary shout for Keith Flint to just be on stage going mental and jumping in the crowd and stuff. Because <laughs> we miss man. him very dearly. That would be really good. Yeah. Uh, we've got just about time for one more question, I think. Um, Sam Welch says, this weekend I'm going to see Sabaton play Wembley. That's wild. You're going to that, aren't you, Al? I am. Lovely time. Uh, <laughs> Sam says, he last saw them live in 2014 at Weymouth Pavilion. What bands have you seen make it? That is amazing. 
Any bands you've seen play smaller gigs that have ended up? Yeah, the one that immediately came to mind for me, not super metal, but Biffy Clyro. I saw oh, them at the Manchester cool. Roadhouse. Wow. Less less than 100 people that venue was. I don't think it exists anymore. Um, really small when I was a teenager. And I remember like doing that classic thing of like waiting outside afterwards and like chatting to them and things. And then um, obviously now they play arenas. So wow. they did very massive, well. Massive, massive band now. Yeah. Alice, I can't think of any off the top of my head. There probably are ones. But None of your bands you like end up like, <laughs> like they all stay in the underground. No, but I've seen so many <laughs> bands. Choice. Like growing up, I've just seen so many bands. And there have been ones that have got really, really big afterwards. And I thought, oh shit, that's on MTV now. That was really? awful. <laughs> oh, really? Any comes to mind there? Saving. There was one called Kids in Glass Houses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Metal Hammer. We we did a soccer um, a soccer six charity event, and uh, Metal Hammer got knocked out by Kids in Glass Houses. You fuckers. <laughs> yeah, they were one of them terrible. rounded me and literally put me on my ass and chipped our old um, our old art editor who was in goal. <laughs> it's awful. God, I hated them. I thought they were awful. They handed me like a really shitty like CD you know, EP thing, um, because they were just giving them out, you know, like, Mm. listen to a band, listen to a band. And the next thing I know, like, a few years later, they were on MTV2 or, you know, one of those channels. I mean, they're not your kind of music. No, but they were super bad. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought I'd check them out because they were handing out their CDs at this gig. And, yeah, it wasn't wasn't good. I've got a few. I'm not sure how many of these strictly count, but I saw, I mean, the first time I saw a ghost was in the small tent at, uh, at Download um, mm. 2011. And this was when they were still very much just kind of like old Papa vibes. It was Papa Amateurist 1. The um, OG. The OG. And, uh, you know, I left away thinking it was all right. I loved the album and I enjoyed the gig, but it didn't quite seem like the right, it was like 3 p.m. in the afternoon or something. And um, I certainly, you could tell there was a hype about the band, but I certainly didn't think they're going to be playing Wembley Arena in the next 10 years. Yeah. I saw them I in, um, I saw them supporting Alice in Chains. Yeah, I saw them at that gig. They, yeah, they were getting too. quite big at that point. Yeah, I hadn't really heard That's of like them. five years They'd got to like Brixton level by then, I think. Yeah. It was, it was, um, it was before that. It was like, was it the Ali Pally one? Ali Pally. Yeah. I didn't see it in London, but All it right. was in about two, three, Thousand and three or four, uh, not three or four, thirteen or fourteen. 14. <laughs> yeah, I think fourteen because I remember going to that. I remember I was yeah. down the road at the time. That was a good gig. Um, I saw Bring Me the Horizon um, open up a bill of Kill Switch Engage and The Haunted at Brixton Academy in 2007. So this is before Suicide Season had even dropped. The Haunted. I used to love I The know. Haunted. Um, and yeah, Bring Me, I thought, were fucking crap to be honest. <laughs> I was like, who are these bunch of oiks calling the crowd pussies? Oh, I used to hate them. Like, I just thought they were talentless. I thought it was nonsense, and they did not get a great response that day. But again, look where they went after that. Yeah, um, they got better though, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, another one that came to mind was, uh, and again, it's not actually Gallows or Frank Carter. and It's Frank Carter, anyway. Frank Carter's from where I'm from. He's from the Hemhamstead Watford area. And his original band, that I think um, the other Carter was in as well, um, was called All Night Drive before they kind of morphed into what would be Gallows. And I saw them at Hemel Hempstead Pavilion in like 2001 or something. Um, and I know one of my mates still has that EP that they put out there. So that's probably worth money now. She put it on eBay, Jim. So there you go. And yeah, those are all that came to mind. Uh, that, oh, and I suppose Five Finger Death Punch at Hammerfest because that was 
only to like a few hundred people um, and they are now potential download headliners we would hope that's it I think should we do a well, goodbye we should do a goodbye <laughs> yeah let's all say goodbye goodbye everybody we're going to leave you now with my chat with the divine twin temple uh, it's with Alexandra and Zachary <coughs> uh, we talk satanism do wop the importance of inclusivity and pissing off Alex Jones so I'm going to leave you with that and uh, we'll see you all next week. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. So uh, for you guys, there's kind of two, I guess, key ingredients to what you do, which is doo-wop and Satanism. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> so, nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess the first question is, how did both of those things come into your lives? And at what point did you kind of think, hey, there's kind of like a weird synergy here that we can, that we can bring together? Yeah, well. Yeah. I mean, the the doo-wop and the classic American rock and roll has kind of always been there since we were little kids. Mm -hmm. That's the music we grew up loving and have listened to our whole lives and that we've been playing, um, you know, for a long time. Um, so we've just sort of always been fans of that classic American rock and roll, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as far as the Satanism, I mean, it's a bit... Zach and I feel that Satanists are really born, not made. So sure. it's more of a realizing mm -hmm. the name of, you know, what to call yourself than a becoming. Um, but I mean, I think when I was a kid, you know, I grew up always loving like anything to do with witchcraft and fairy tales and magic. And then when I started discovering that this was a real practice, um, it was really exciting. So I started getting into the occult when I was like a teenager, um, cast some really poor love spells basically like all baby witches <laughs> and you know did it <laughs> um sure. just kind of you know grew from there um so yeah. you know we've been studying the occult for a long time um and practicing you know magic ceremonial magic and witchcraft for a long time yeah and it's then we sat down you know and decided to make a group together yeah we had we had come from solo projects together and uh we got married and we're like oh we should, you know, do something together because we're kind of spending all our time either apart or helping each other with each other's solo projects and stuff. So it just seemed to make sense. And I mean, that's a really interesting dynamic. I mean, working together, essentially creating yeah. together, being married together. Yeah. Like, is that is that a difficult uh, relationship in every sense of the word to kind of like keep going and, and keep smooth? And uh, I can imagine that all comes with its own challenges. Yeah. yeah. We fling a lot of curses at one another during the <laughs> writing process. <laughs> But what, what band doesn't, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> it can be difficult because we're both, like, really passionate about this. We basically see this as our magical child. So I think, like, any parents, you know, we kind of have arguments over what's the best for a twin temple or whatever. Sure, but sure. Yeah. I think that having both of us so invested in it, creating this kind of third, what well, we call it, like, our egregore basically makes it stronger because... Mm -hmm. As soon as one of us is like, yeah, it's good enough, the other would be like, nah, nah, we can do better. And so we're constantly <laughs> pushing each other. And yeah. not that we're competitive, but I think we are, we definitely inspire each other and push yeah. each other to, you know, just make it better. So I, I wouldn't have it any other way. No, and it's great to be out here together, you know, on tour. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I actually think it was harder when we weren't working together because sure. yeah. we were sort of never together. We we're just always in our own little worlds. And now we've created a world for both of us to live in mm -hmm. so <laughs> yeah cool. and sorry yeah. you were kind of uh, talking about how the 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 two seemingly disparate worlds of satanism and doo-wop eventually right. kind of came together yeah i mean we were just trying to figure out well if this is like our child right it should reflect everything that we really love and for a long time we were just writing together and 
you know, yeah. listening to music, like, you know, combining all of our musical tastes, which thankfully is pretty much exactly the same, weirdly <laughs> enough. I mean, there's one band or two we don't, you sure. know, yeah. maybe fully agree on. But, <laughs> um, you know, so it was just about finding a sound that reflected both of us as individuals yeah. and together. And it made us excited, you know, and it was like a record we, yeah. you know, or a band we wanted to see, you know, when we sat there and we were like, what would be the coolest thing that we could go see? You know, and that, that was that. Yeah. And to us, it was like, man, you know, I love all these old rock and roll songs. Can you imagine if it was like, you know, about the devil, that would be yeah. so sick. Cause we're, we're big record collectors. And so we, we collect a lot of doo-wop 45s. Like, yeah. and we also collect a lot of occult records and those are sort of at the top of our list mm. um, of, you know, rarities that we're always on the hunt for. So obviously if this record was sitting in the back of like a dusty box, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, Oh my God, a satanic doo-wop record. It would, it would be like, or even the way you present the artwork yeah. makes it look exactly like that. Like it's right. kind of an yeah. old creased up yeah. LP. Uh, yeah. 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 We yeah, kind of just wanted it to be like the secret portal into, you know, a time, the a musical timeline, like, you know, that never existed. Yeah. And I mean, if we found that record at a flea market or something, we'd like freak out. Yeah. So that's yeah. basically why we wanted to make it. And yeah. I mean, ironically, it's like we had some producers and like management we were working with originally that had become interested in like my project. And so when we voiced that we wanted to do a project together, they're all about it. We we're working with all these different people and. We kind of went away and took a step back and wrote with what was basically like the core few songs that became the Twin Temple album. Mm -hmm. At least when we kind of clapped on that we could, oh, hey, we can combine the occult and doo-wop. Like, you know, we can we can yeah. really have this combine everything we love. They just ghosted us. Like, they they literally just would, wouldn't respond yeah. to us at all. Wow. I said and it was had, never going to do anything. Yeah, yeah, we had every door just like slammed in our face and we were blatantly told that this will go nowhere in the industry. So you need to be aware that like this is just a complete dead end because basically the whole doo-wop old school R&B scene is mainly, I mean, it's got like a real gospel feel because yeah. that's the, what the music grew out of. So it's like it's sort of R&B. It's very religious. Um, you know, you have a lot of these R&B and gospel doo-wop artists being like, oh, praise Jesus on stage, you know? So it's like you're completely going to alienate that whole group. And then as far as the satanic element, yeah. well, up until now, I mean, that's pretty much only been relegated to like super heavy metal, sure. black metal and stuff. And they're like, these guys aren't going to want to listen to, you know, <laughs> like you crooning, you know, with the oldies. So um, we were just like, well, then we're just going to do whatever the fuck we want. Sure. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? If which which uh, in the history of kind of metal <laughs> culture has shown is generally the good way of doing yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we cut all ties with everyone and we're really just out on our own and we're like, well, we're not quitting our day jobs. We're not going to make any money. That's been made clear to us from everyone who supposedly knows something in the music industry. Um, we have no connections left. We can show this to. That means all bets are off, you know? And so mm -hmm. we just really sat away for like a, a couple years, like reading, writing, honing what the album, you know, became. Yeah. And when we're just like... At a certain point, we're like, well, let's just go play shows because, you know, we really missed it. It's a yeah. it's a great creative outlet for both of us. So we're like, all right. So we just started playing, you know, down at the local bar <laughs> in L.A. by our house. And um, something weird just started happening. It was yeah. like people were just showing up. That was a 50 capacity venue. But somehow there was 50 people there. And we're like, how the hell? I mean, a lot of it, most half of it was our friends. 
But, um, you know, and then. Still counts, it's all numbers. Yeah, you know, and then like the show after that, it was like, there was 100 people there. And then the show after that, there's 200 people there. And we're like, whoa, this is really crazy. And so we weren't even planning to record or put out that album. Um, And, you know, fans were coming up to the merch booth being like, what is wrong with you? Where is your record? Like, how could you do this to us? Like, why would you play shows and not even have a record? Blah, blah, blah. We're like, oh. I guess. Guess we'll make a record. Then we'll make a record. <laughs> so we just went to our friend. He's got a garage. He's got all this cool RCA equipment that like Elvis recorded on. We just did it in a day, you know, just exactly the way you hear it. I mean, it sounds it, it sounds like that in the yeah. best yeah. way. It sounds kind of um, I don't know if raw is quite the right word, but it just sounds yeah. so kind of real and totally. in, in yeah. the moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we were going for just like raw, organic. We played each song a couple times, mm-hmm. recorded it all live to tapes. It was just literally us in a room playing yeah. and then pressing stop and a couple times and whichever one was better we chose. That yeah. It was really simple process. So, yeah, and then it's like we put out the record ourselves and somehow in a month all 666 copies sold out. And we're like, something is going on here. This is so yeah. weird because we literally never, ever expected it. You know, yeah. we just thought this is just a, you know, passion project for us or yeah. whatever. But it is really, really resonating with people. And it, and it's the kind of thing when you say it on paper, it's like, yeah, satanic do what music. You kind of <laughs> go, oh yeah, that sounds like a fun gimmick. But when you see the videos <laughs> and you listen to what you guys have to say and yeah. you understand firstly that on a surface level it works and also you're, you're real. Like you mean, like this isn't a gimmick thing you're just doing for fun. Like yeah. you guys really live this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really resonates with people and just gives it an extra edge over, you know, bands that are just like you said singing about satan in a more kind of surface superficial yeah 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 Yeah. totally (laughs) yeah it's been really surprising but it's been really really great to see the the reaction has been amazing no it's been like a a dream come true should i say a nightmare come true (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) to see the reaction because honestly it's so cool to know that actually there's other people out there who are as weird as us you yeah, know and, yeah. and open-minded i think is a good word for the yeah. fans that very you open-minded know, we've gained along the yeah, way sure. i think uh, you have to be <laughs> yeah 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 I, I, I can see that um we, we were talking briefly off mic about ghost and, and how much you guys are, are fans of them and what they do when kind of people were telling you that um you know this isn't going to work you can't yeah. you can't do this kind of light music with satanic lyrics it doesn't really work yeah. did you kind of look at bands like ghost as an example of bands that can kind of subvert the usual tropes and that and that can do something different because it, it feels like even if not musically spiritually there is a bit of a kind of kindred vibe there yeah, yeah absolutely i mean we've saw ghosts on their first time in la you know to the states in la the yeah. roxy we're, so we've been fans for a really long we're time huge fans of ghosts so probably somewhere deep down in our subconscious yeah. you know the, that idea was in yeah. there yeah for um, sure. but i mean too it's like with us it was like Really like crooning three four slow tempo. Yeah, with you guys, it's not even something that's. It's just not out there in any capacity at the moment. There's no reference point for anybody for this. Yeah, Yeah. but I definitely think Ghost paved the way for people being more accepting to people who are you know out of left field and kind of marching to the beat of their own drum for sure. Expanding the the idea of what metal culture can include. Definitely, I think the Ghost was super trailblazing Mm -hmm. when it came to that, and uh, yeah, I would I would definitely call them like our kindred. I mean, one of the main Spirit. things with you guys as well that I think um, has really drawn in a lot of people is, uh, you know, beneath the, the, the symbolism and the kind of 
you know, the blood and nudity and and the the more kind of like quote unquote metal stuff that yeah. you guys do. <laughs> There's really strong messages of uh, equality and empowerment and sex positivity and feminism and 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 you know a lot of stuff going on there, which feels like a very important of your important part of your whole ethos. Yeah, uh, is that something that's really important to you guys in terms of getting that message out there and making people understand that that's all a part of the wider story with Twin Temple? Yeah, yeah, definitely, absolutely. Definitely. I mean, we've got this platform, so we may as well use it to say what we really think. You yeah. know what I mean? And it, no one's censoring us. Like mm -hmm. I said, we kind of had free reign to do whatever and say whatever we want. And I mean, for me personally, as like an Asian woman, mixed race woman growing up, in America and also, you know, trying to or playing in, you know, rock and roll bands for half my life now, it's been a slog and just and just walking through the world, you know, there's so much injustice and I th you know, I'm I'm not even getting the worst end of it. I think a trans woman of color in America is going to have it 666,000 times worse than me and there's a lot of fucked up shit going on and it's just like that's true to my lived experience. So it's something that I've battled and I feel like it's important for me to just fly that flag and sure. fight the good fight. And I think definitely that, you know, people ask kind of like, well, why do you even do this? And I think, yeah, on the one hand, it was just for us, just to make ourselves happy and to see our will come to fruition. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I think the greatest reward when it comes to this project is people walking away from the shows feeling welcome yeah. and feeling empowered, empowered you know, because inclusivity is a really huge deal to us. We try mm -hmm. to make the shows always inclusive um, to everyone from all backgrounds, no matter who they are. And I mean, if nothing else channels the spirit, spirit of alternative music, it should be that, right? Yeah. Like this is for outsiders this is for uh, well not just outsiders but everybody no one yeah. should yeah. feel like they can't have a place in this yeah. in this mm -hmm. in this room absolutely yeah, exactly. and i mean rock's just been so male dominated for sure. so long that sure. i feel like it's important to have that representation um yeah. for you know because me growing up there was so few like rock stars um in mainstream culture that i could look to that i felt like represented me right. mm -hmm. you know if any i, I was don't gonna know. say what was there anybody for you At growing up that you thank, gravitated to thanks satan for joan jett and the runaways <laughs> yes <laughs> absolutely yeah. you know what i mean yeah i i found my own heroes in rock and roll i mean there's tons you know Ron, ronnie Spector. Mm -hmm. you know the ronette she's like the queen of rock and roll um Patsy Klein and Loretta Lynn and you know these were the people that I looked up to so yeah I found my own way but I just think that it's important to have that representation and you know that rock and roll isn't just like rocking with your cock out you know what I mean <laughs> there are other voices and there always has been a history of women in rock and roll it's just very much um, silenced and ignored yeah. and not recognized you know of course um, uh, well, does it feel like people are starting to um, better understand the true meaning of um, the kind of spirit of Satanism as well, because obviously it's it's been something that's long been misunderstood. Yeah, um, it feels like it's starting to get a bit better representation now. I don't know if you've seen documentaries like Hail Satan mm -hmm. that yeah. came out last yeah. year. That that things like that are kind of shining a bit more onto uh, you know what the true spirit of Satan is supposed to be. Yeah, um, yeah. and obviously a lot of people can interpret it in different ways. Mm -hmm. Of course, yeah. But do you kind of feel like? that veil is starting to lift a little bit. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're in a new eon for sure. It definitely. You know? I, yeah. Yeah. 
it's, it's not a goal of ours to, to push Satanism, you know, no, or of to course, but expose it's just, it. It's always interesting when you meet people because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of Satan in heavy metal, right? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a very, there's different layers to mm. uh, what it means to people. And it's interesting to talk to a band who, yeah. Yeah. like I said, genuinely do live this. And it's not a gimmick. It's not just sprinkling a little bit of yeah. cool imagery over their songs. It's something yeah. that you really believe in and you really... Um, preach and, and feel empowered by it. Yeah, we do. And you definitely see it everywhere. You know, it's like now today, it's all about the individual. You know, it's all about have it your way, you know, and it's all about how custom can you make it, you know, your playlist, mm -hmm. how personal can it be? Those are all, you know, satanic ideas, really, because it's, mm -hmm. it's the importance of the individual, you know, over the group. Whereas back in the day, you know, in the 50s, 60s, you have, oh, you know, join the cool kids, do this one thing, yada, yada, you know, now yeah. it's, it's far more personalized. It's a lot more about sameness. So I feel like that's yeah. a byproduct of this new era that we're living in, you know, that is satanic, you know. And, and again, it's also very much tied to the spirit of rock and roll. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. rock and roll is all about hailing the individual, being yeah. as unique yeah. and individual as you can yeah. be, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. And yeah, I, I see it on social media, too. You know, so many yeah. people, you know, using dark imagery and whatnot, you know, uh, but the juxtaposition of the messaging with it, you know, it yeah. definitely gives you a different perspective. Definitely. You know? I mean, Crowley called it like the coming of the eon of Horus. And yeah. I think that all of these things we're talking about is sort of hinting at that new yeah. eon mm -hmm. where people understand that it's not one size fits all and yeah. people don't really want to ascribe to mass religions mm -hmm. and they don't want to be told how to live or what to do you know mm -hmm. for some people that does work because you find a kind of solace or comfort in having a daddy in the sky tell you what's right and wrong you don't have to think about it as much you don't have to worry you don't have to make as many micro decisions yeah you don't day. have to worry about cause and effect of your own decisions you know sure. exactly and a lot of the um responsibility for your own actions is lifted off of you when you think oh the devil made me do it wasn't me it was somebody else you know oh it mm -hmm. must be somebody else it's god's know, will you know um, whatever that means affecting my it's life it's a convenient kind of escape scapegoat right you know which or is scapegoat, yeah, if that's <laughs> who you are and what you want i'm not knocking it whatsoever yeah. but i also think now you're starting to see people who that doesn't work for them mm -hmm. and satanism provides an alternate way of navigating the world and mm -hmm. an alternate philosophy for people who you know feel strongly about expressing themselves individually so yeah it's an interesting time isn't it because on one side it feels like we are getting uh, more liberated in mm -hmm. our uh, morality and our sexuality and our in our way of being our individuality and yeah. um, we're becoming more progressive more open-minded but on the other side of things there's this kind <laughs> of scary um <laughs> like mm -hmm. not just far right specifically but yeah. this, there's this kind of backlash against it that's also Right. Also yeah. going, there's a weird dynamic in the middle of everything at the moment. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, there's always equal reactions for every, you know, sure. action, yeah. basically. And yeah. I think to <laughs> Western society posits this idea of linear time, like, oh, every day it's more modern. We're we're better. We're smarter. We're, smarter. we're more inclusive. Oh, we've had the civil rights. Now, you know, yeah. we must be better now. But I mean, to be honest, a lot of the ideas that we have now have been hanging around since the Middle Ages regarding mm. women and sexuality. And I don't think that there's this linear progress where every day we're getting better. You know, it's very circuitous and it's circular and it's like mm -hmm. you make some strides and then you find other strides. I mean, to me, the abortion bans and controls yeah, that we exactly. put on women's mm -hmm. bodies are positively medieval. Yeah, exactly. It's, stra it's strange, know? isn't it? That's, yeah. quite, that's kind of what I mean. Like, I guess Trump's America mm -hmm. kind right. of alluded to is... It's creating mean, this very strange landscape for yeah. people at the moment. Yeah. You it's have, very bizarre. You have pr quote unquote pro lifer Christian 
advisor to the White House, mm-hmm. wishing that all Satanist babies miscarry. Yeah, that yeah. was that was weird. <laughs> this sounds like something yeah. out of the 1500s. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's becoming less and less surprising now when we see this kind of stuff. That's what kind <laughs> yeah. of scary. Like yeah. I saw that the other day, and I was like, oh yeah, that sounds like the kind of thing they'd they'd be saying at the moment. It's just you know wild out there. It's and it's like, how can you say up. we've progressed in a thousand years when there's still you know. All satanic babies must miscarry. I mean, that's just yeah, wild and wild. crazy. It was you know? strange. Uh, yeah. Really, really strange. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird time, that's for sure. It's a weird time, but I think that it illuminates what's at the heart of the quote-unquote pro-life campaign, which is not about preserving lives, because if it's a certain kind of life that they deem unimportant, then they wish it to die. And as soon as the baby is born, they don't care about it. So Yeah, yeah right. The, you know the pro-life I mean? yeah. mantra suddenly gets abandoned once it's actually <laughs> alive. It's very yeah. strange. I think it is what it's been about since like the medieval witch hunts, and that's punishing women for having sex and controlling their bodies. You know, that's what it comes down to. Really, these ideas haven't gone anywhere. They're still here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of in relation to that, in a way, um, as all the best bands do at some point, you've, you've you know, you spark some uh, controversial moments, attract, attracted a bit <laughs> yeah. of criticism. How the fuck did you end up getting the attention of Alex Jones? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, that wow. was wild. That just seems <laughs> like... Well, you know, obviously, what you, I can understand why those kind of people would be deeply scared yeah. and offended oh, yeah. by what you do, but... I'm just amazed by the idea you got put on his radar somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So we ended up landing the front page of the LA Times art section um, for, I think it was like the Halloween show that Mm -hmm. we did in Los Angeles. We ended up kind of going all out for it. We did a full nude ritual that Mm -hmm. wasn't really sanctioned, I don't think. But anyway. Go hard or go home. Yeah. Um, and so we ended up landing this cover story. And as the LA Times is kind of a national publication that gets picked up by basically yeah, like, press everywhere, yeah. it got service to all these real mainstream political conservative wires. Yeah. I mean, it was just on the like yeah. news wires. So we had no idea that that was even really happening. Yeah. We just woke up one morning and literally there was death threats, you know, in our mm-hmm. inbox. There was thousands of comments just spewing hatred how did that make you feel yeah so I mean, genuinely because on one side it's like fuck these guys yeah you know, but it, it, that must be kind of scary and yeah it, it, it makes it you was, worry about you playing know? shows you know and you go how much security are going to be <laughs> yeah. here you know yeah, yeah. like yeah we were being threatened like by actual groups saying we know you're going to be at this show on xyz date and at the time it was like we're playing dive bars yeah, with like no 50 security. people on the floor mm. with one bartender and nothing else. You know what I mean? And we're like, um, so they're threatening to kill us. Is this really going to happen? But yeah. But yeah, I mean, it felt pretty shitty, you know, not, not because we care <laughs> yeah. about what they have to say at all, but just to have to go through so much negative shit, yeah. you know, just to get rid of it, you know, Draining. just to delete it, you well, know, it's just like, it's a lot to get Did you have any through. actual run-ins with people, like actual physical run-ins? Any? No, no they never no. showed. There you go then. Keyboard warriors. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think Marilyn Manson was <laughs> his, his dad. dad or something. I read that quote and I laughed. I showed it to Zach. I was like, I think we'll be all right. But it was like... No one who's going to kill you is going to tell you about it first. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, like, yeah. I think I feel better. I'm not really <laughs> sure. Good I mean, mantra. It was, um, we can laugh about it now because it's like, oh, cool. We're getting a rise out of exactly the people who we set out to get a rise out of. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I, I have Alex Jones calling us pure evil as... Yeah, you know, that's a great. That's a bucket list on our wall of you know, but that is like a, almost like an album review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> achievement unlocked. Seriously, like Alex Jones that's hates great. us. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that it meant that we were doing the right things and we're pissing off the right people because we're not here to please everybody. You know, we're not like a pop act where it's like, Hey, let's play nice and, uh, you know, cover up our views to appeal to To a wider audience. Mm. You know what I mean? We're, we're here to say exactly what we think and that's what you get, you know, Mm -hmm. with us. (laughs) You've kind of said that you kind of feel like this has already gone a little bit further than you thought it might have. So, so what, so where from here? I mean, you you know, you're doing great numbers on the roads, your merchandise is like just doing so well you've got all these different crazy things online that all yeah. seem to be selling out and stuff yeah. you know people are really loving what you do are you, are you now kind of thinking about the bigger picture and what happens next and yeah, yeah. absolutely you know, what's the glass ceiling for a do-wop satanic I band no <laughs> i don't know we thought it was a 50 person bar <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean well, it I started with two i can't lie that you know we haven't always dreamt as you know yeah, we lovers wanted... of rock and roll about being able to put on the kind of show that yeah. we have in our mind like I mean, alice cooper you know mm-hmm. like we, we just love that production and yeah or even like a ghost yeah you know, the yeah, level yeah. of like theatricality there is incredible yeah, so we love that. obviously it would be amazing to get to the point where you can actually put on that level of a show because mm-hmm. we love theater we love pageantry and we love you know the spectacle of rock and roll mm-hmm. it to us it should be a show that's what we dream about in our minds anyways. So, I yeah. mean, if we could get to that point, you know, we'd be really happy. I mean, there's already that vibe about what you guys do, like bringing the blood out on stage. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff is, is already, you, you see something like that as a, you know, a journalist or whatever, and you just, you're already kind of thinking, God, yeah, they could just take this <laughs> yeah. as far as they want, you know. If that's yeah. what they do oh, in man. front of 500 people, what could they do in front of 5,000, you know? Yeah. Give us a budget and the, the stage. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll have we'll way more blood. <laughs> we, I certainly hope it happens. And uh, I don't see why it couldn't. Really excited um, to see what happens next for you guys. Thank oh, you. Twin thank Temple, you. thanks very much for chatting to us. We appreciate it. Thank yeah, thanks you, Thanks for Marlin. having us. Hail Satan. Hail Satan.